You're listening to Art Problems, a workshop podcast, episode two. I'm your host, Patty Johnson. This is the show where we talk about how to get more shows, grants, and residencies. Today, I'm going to embark on the first of a two-part mini-series where I flesh out what makes the art industry unique from other industries and how that can affect our behavior and distort our perception of ourselves. And I want to do this because I think if we understand the larger context of the industry, we'll be better able to navigate our place within it. And within that, I think there's enormous potential for agency and change. And that's what I want for all of us, because (laughs) we all know this industry is pretty fucked up. And I would like for that to change. Now, let's begin with a framing question. What makes the art industry distinct from other industries? So every other industry works like this. You create a product that responds to a customer's needs or desires. You sell that product at a price point that pays for your labor and reflects what the market will bear. The fine art industry works like this. You create a completely individualized and idiosyncratic work of art with exorbitant labor costs and little relationship to what a customer wants. And it's by design, right? We are encouraged to do that because we know that idiosyncratic individualized vision creates better work. Then you give it a price point that exceeds what most people in your income bracket can afford. Now, you already know this, and you also know that you can't succeed if you treat the industry as completely different from others. It's unique, sure. But if you decide that you don't need to set goals, you don't need to identify ideal viewers, you don't need to communicate clearly about your art, you're never going to gain enough visibility to secure the commissions, the grants, the shows of your dreams. Now, you also can't succeed if you treat the industry as the same as any other. If you treat your business as the same as, say, selling shoes, you're not going to be talking to your ideal viewers. No one will take you seriously, and you won't be able to secure the commissions, the grants, the shows. And a good example of this is services that offer templated social media advice to artists based on what works in other industries and then claim that they that this will ensure that you'll sell all sorts of stuff. It doesn't work. It will never work because it's not individualized for what the art market needs. So how do you get what you want? In the art world, it's all about relationships. Relationships bring us opportunities and connect us to the people we need to meet to advance our careers. And that's why I started Network, a business networking site for mid-career artists that offers ongoing professional development services so that you can leverage your networks. And you'll also get what you want by understanding your context so well that you can fully navigate it. And I want to dig into that a little bit because I think that that takes us a little deeper than the overarching structure of the industry we're in, the one that I just outlined above, the one most of us join because it's part of who we are. We can't imagine a world without art, or at least not one where we're not making art, because it's part of how we process the world. And that offers us a lot of joy. 
at least speaking for myself, it gives me so much joy to see art, to be thinking about art, to be close to it, any kind of proximity. And the question, though, is what are the consequences of an industry for an industry that most of us join for love, but doesn't support us financially? So I wanted to begin to answer that question by sharing an anecdote relating to a conversation I had last year that set a lot of things off for me. So I was telling my bookkeeper about all of you, what the network membership does to support you in getting shows, getting the residencies through the power of networking. And after I finished telling him about all of the things that we do to help you, he concluded that what I was doing and what network was all about was helping artists who wanted to make a living off their art. And that's where I was like, well, no, actually. And don't get me wrong. I want you all to make a living off your art, but that is not something I promise. And I don't promise that because it is not possible for many of us. And I had to explain that it is possible to be poor and famous in the art world. And that's the part that I wanted to dig into a little bit, just by acknowledging the reality and by explaining the importance of owning and being able to explain that reality to others. You know, what artists like you do will be completely incomprehensible to most outside of the art world. I mean, we're all spending huge amounts of time producing art that may or may not ever have a purchase value. So I think most people will want to know why do this at all? There's no other industry that's built like this, right? Like we're the only ones where there's a whole army of people supporting an industry with free labor, except that there actually is another industry that's built just like this one, one that we all recognize. And I'm going to ask you this question. What is the industry that exploits the labor that people do for love in order to amass billions? Now, if you guess the tech industry, specifically social media companies, you guessed right, because it's built just like the art world. It engages people who will share their interests and desires at no cost because their desire for connection drives their behavior. Sound familiar? Artists like you are like users on social media platform in the sense that your desire to connect through your art is so strong that will do it often regardless of whether or not you get paid. And that's a good thing. Um, projects that come out of drive, out of passion and individual vision are the most important projects to our culture. But there is a cost to this. And I think we have to acknowledge that cost because once it is known that we will do things for love, the behavior is exploited. And that's structural, right? The entire industry is built on the fact that we know that artists, and not just artists, administrators, other people too, will do things for free out of love. So what are the results? For one, it means that we have a highly skilled labor force that often doesn't make enough money to get by. Now, if you follow the workshop Instagram, it's likely that you are working at a very high level. And if you are Listening to this podcast, it is likely that you are working at a very high level. That's the kind of artist that is attracted to the membership program. But it's also true that you've probably dealt with a lot of self-doubt and imposter syndrome. Now, that's normal. Almost everybody who cares about what they do will feel that at some point. 
But I would say that it's almost ubiquitous in the field of art. And if we look at other industries, that is not the standard. So let's take a look at the tech industry since we've been talking about that. In that industry, tech bros are stereotyped for being know-it-alls, convinced that they know best. It's the same with the finance industry. Wall Street, stockbrokers, hedge fund managers, they sunk an entire bank, Lehman Brothers, and lost trillions. But that culture is still to this day known for its bravado, right? So why do people in those fields feel like they know best? It's because even when they fuck up, they make a lot of money. So different industries have different characteristics based on the circumstances, and it can tangibly affect our self-worth. In the art world, we can be famous, we can be making amazing work, and not be making any money off it. And that affects us, and we shouldn't pretend that it doesn't. So going from there, I think the question you all might have for me is, what is the value in me spelling all this out for you? Well, I'm not just doing this to spread misery and torment. For one, it gives us agency to stake out our value. Rather than coming from a place where we believe our worth is less than others, we can understand that our worth is shaped by the context we're in. And that's not just an intellectual exercise. It's also the power of art, which doesn't communicate without context. So if we understand how art works, we understand how our context shapes us. Then we also understand that we are not beholden to context. Now, I want to be clear here. That doesn't mean that we're going to reshape the context that we're in, but we can reshape our relationship to it. And that's the most powerful tool you have. Understanding that you have the power to create your own agency and that you are not beholden to anything other than putting your own self-care and career first. And that small mindset shift can really be significant because it's the difference between navigating a world defined by scarcity and one that is reshaped through abundance. And of course, this is the foundation of my membership program network. It's a pretty big ask to reshape your worldview and how you're approaching your value as an artist if you've got to do it alone. But imagine doing the work that advocates and establishes your value with a network of artists doing the same. And that's not just a little extra courage. It's the momentum we build together for a sea change. Now that's the subject of another episode, but consider this your introduction to what we will be talking about and what I think we all, whether you are inside the network membership or not, what we all are building together. I'll see you next time.